you can grab a seat. Well, hey, Chapel family, I hope that uh, in this last week uh, that you received um, our annual report, the 2020 annual report. If you didn't get one of these in the mail, it may still yet be coming, um, or you can feel free to stop out at the Welcome Center, and uh, we have extra copies out there. It's really um, our attempt to let you in on the journey and to help us as a church look back over the last year and to see God's faithfulness. And he has truly, truly been faithful. It's filled with um, stories um, that are powerful of life change. It's filled with statistics and numbers. Part of the goal of the annual report is to be transparent with you. So many people um, continue to give and support the ministries here at the chapel. And uh, we always want to be honest and open about yeah, how are those resources being used? Uh, in fact, if you look in the annual report, you'll see a chart that says, you know, if you were to take $100 and just to divide it up on where that really goes, like sometimes we wonder like, well, what's, what, is my, what are my resources really doing when I do give to the chapel? There's a chart there that, that helps uh, enunciate some of those things to see how that money's being invested to reach more people and to help people come closer to Christ. Um, in addition to that, uh, as we look back to this last year, man, a lot of change, a lot of transition. Uh, we were quarantined. We, we, we went literally like in almost one weekend, we went from being a church that met physically in three uh, locations with multiple services to meeting all online and, and for at least for a season. And I'm so grateful for our team, their flexibility, the way that they were able to pivot and how God really... Uh, brought people along even onto our team for a temporary time to, to help create video and uh, to put that out so that our chapel family could stay connected. Get the 725 hours of editing when we first started doing that. Now we're, we're able to broadcast live at our Saturday night service and every weekend that's available, available for people as well. Um, but man, just looking back, how God has worked, how God has been faithful, how he's used people uh, to keep the mission of helping people move closer to God and each other move forward. Um, also, at the end of the year, just like most churches and other organizations, you know, end of the year giving becomes so significant. We want to first say thank, thank you because um, our chapel family, in the midst of COVID, even in the midst of people, some people losing jobs or struggling, people continue to give and support God's good work here. And uh, we are not far from meeting our end of the year budget, but as you consider the end of the year, and maybe a special gift. Thank you so much for your generosity. Um, that helps us move into 2021 in a strong way as people uh, give at the end of the year, and we really, really thank you and appreciate you, <coughs> excuse me, for all of your generosity. So thank you. Um, this weekend, we continue in our series that we've entitled Reclaiming Christ Christmas, and really what we're doing is uh, reprioritizing so that we aren't just caving to what Christmas and the holidays has really become in our culture. It's more than just um, gifts and, and getting, it's giving, right? And, and this weekend, uh, where we're really asking the question, as we go into Christmas together this year, are we going to be focused on problems or are we going to discover the peace of Christ? Uh, before our services, the third candle of Advent was lit today, um, this week, representing peace. Jesus is called the Prince of Peace. Jesus also said that we're called to be the peacemakers. 
And so what does that look like? And when I think about problems or peace, I'm specifically thinking about the problems that kind of get illuminated, especially during the holidays within our own immediate family, right? We're spending a lot of extra time. We've been spending a lot of extra time together, right? Um, and we're going to see some of our extended family, which is a good thing, right? That's a good thing. <laughs> it's not always easy, though, is it? It's, it's like the holidays have a way of magnifying the dysfunction that's there and some of the problems that it seems like the rest of the year we're able to kind of just, you know, avoid or push under the rug. And being together at the holidays reminds us of those things. And so we can become so focused on all of the problems and the issues and the hardships that we miss the peace that Jesus wants to bring at Christmas time. So that's what we want to spend some time thinking about together. And ultimately, our bottom line truth this weekend is that if we want to reclaim Christmas, it means that we're going to have to strive for peace with others. If we just let Christmas be as it may, it'll be focused on all the problems. But we can reclaim it. And it means striving for peace together. So the question is, why is there so much problems? Why is there so many issues, so many relational challenges with other people? And at the core of it, I think, is a lack of true godly love for one another. Throughout the pages of the Bible, from the Old Testament to the New Testament, God challenges His people towards love because love leads to peace. In the Old Testament, the book of Leviticus, God's speaking to the Israelite nation. And he says, do not seek revenge or bear a grudge against a fellow Israelite, but rather love your neighbor as yourself. You notice, I mean, what he's talking about here? Uh, he says, don't, re- don't, don't seek revenge, don't bear grudges. Those are the things that are caused by problems and then just cause more problems. And God's writing to his people as a family saying, instead, love each other, love your neighbor. Jesus repeats this when he's, when he's asked what the greatest commandment of all is. Jesus responds saying, it's to love God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. And in Mark 12, 31, he says, and the second is equally as important, love your neighbor as yourself. When we stop and think about maybe some of the problems that we faced just in the last month, whether it was with a spouse, family member, kids, grandkids, whether it was with a coworker, whether it was with that random stranger uh, at Walmart that was trying to get to the 55-inch screen TV before you got, no, I don't know, whatever it was, you think about the problems that we face most of them at their core have to do with a lack of love. Either, either someone wasn't showing love to us, or truth be told, sometimes we weren't acting in love towards someone else. And what happens as a result is problems. And so God's Word is calling us back to what real love looks like so that we're not facing all those things. James, the writer of James, he says, what is it that causes these problems, these, these quarrels, these fights? He says, don't they come from the evil desires that war within you? 
See, if, if, we just, if we just go with the flow of our own natural selves, it's going to lead to problems because at the core, we love ourselves more than we love other people most of the time. But when we live in love, that's what will ultimately lead to peace. Now, in the book of Colossians, the Apostle Paul, he has some incredible words of wisdom that can help lead to peace in our relationships. He's writing to a group of Christians in a church in the city of Colossae. So he's writing primarily to people that have uh, responded to God's love and put their life in, in God's hands and are people of faith and yet, obviously, these people, they didn't have it all together yet, and neither do we. They had not arrived. They were still struggling with selfishness and bitterness and grudges, and they were facing their own set of problems. And Paul writes to them to address that. And I think it's what he has to say to them is super, super relevant for you and I, whether it's in our marriage, our family, our workplace, our school, wherever it might be. And he begins by, by reminding the people there some things that they need to get rid of, all right, in order to live at peace. He says, but now the time has come to get rid of anger and rage and malicious behavior and slander and dirty language. He goes on, he says, don't lie to each other, for you have stripped off your old sinful nature. That, that's what all those other things were, the anger, the rage, the malice, the slander. He says, you've, you've stripped that off. You've taken kind of those old clothes of who you were off, he says, and all of its wicked deeds. The problem is they were still living that way. And we can easily point the finger, but we know that it infects our lives as well. Many of us here in this room, we've, we've given our lives to Jesus. Maybe we've put off those old clothes, but somehow we, we slip back into them because they're comfy, Right? And we find ourselves approaching even the holiday season, just like everybody else, else with hurts and with, with frustrations and unforgiveness and grudges. Problems. Is it going to be problems? Or will we discover God's peace to walk into this holiday season together? So, what does it look like then to truly strive for peace. Paul's already said some, there's some things that we've got to strip away, put off, take off, right? But just doing that will not immediately lead to peace. What, what he says next is really, really significant. Colossians chapter 3, verses 12 through 15. This is just a few verses later, and here is his instruction to them and his challenge uh, to you and I as we enter into Christmas. He says, since God chose you to be the holy people he loves, you must clothe yourselves with tenderhearted mercy and kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience. He says, make allowance for each other's faults and forgive anyone who offends you. Remember, he says, that the Lord forgave you, so you must forgive others. And above all, clothe yourselves with love which binds them together in perfect harmony. And let the peace that comes from Christ rule your hearts. For as members of one body, we are called to live in peace and always be thankful. Sometimes I've read those verses um, 
before two people standing in front of each other getting ready to share their vows of commitment in marriage. Because, man, if, if we were to live that way towards one another, how rich and strong our marriages would be. If we lived those ways with one another, if those were the things that we clothed ourselves with, how that would change our family relationships, our work relationships, how that would change even the problems and dysfunction of this Christmas, right? So I want us to look at those bit by bit. And I think in, in, initially what Paul is saying here is to embrace your status. To embrace your status. He's writing to the Colossian believers and he's trying to remind them of who they really are. Look at what he says again in verse 12. It says, since God chose you to be the holy people he loves. That's your status if, if you've put your faith in Jesus. Uh, you, you are a chosen one. You are called to be holy. You're chosen for a purpose. To be holy in God's word is to be separate, to be different, to be set apart. In other words, what Paul is saying to this group of believers is, God has called you. Your new status is to be different. Christmas for you as a Christ follower, should look different than Christmas for somebody that doesn't know Jesus. There should be more peace in our households as Christ followers than those that are missing a real relationship with Christ. He says, know who you are. Own your status. Live your status. And not only that, he says, since God chose you to be the holy people that he loves... You know, one of the things that keeps us from being able to truly love others the way that they need and deserve to be loved, because some of us in this room have never really discovered God's love for us. It's hard to love other people unconditionally when they blow it, when, when they hurt you, until we realize that even though we've blown it and, and we've hurt God and we've hurt others, that God still unconditionally loves us. This is the key. This is where it all begins. And we'll never, we'll never be truly at peace with others until we're first at peace with God himself. So that's the starting place. It's our relationship with God that impacts all the other relationships of our lives. And Paul is writing to the Colossians saying, listen, you've got Jesus. You've begun a relationship with him, so embrace your status. But then what he says next is really to intentionally clothe ourselves with the right kind of qualities. Remember, he's already said what we need to take off and put away. But there's some right qualities that he just listed for us that will lead to peace in our relationships. Think about how these different traits, characteristics, if we were to truly clothe ourselves with these things, how it would change our relationships. He first says, clothe yourself with tender-hearted mercy. Uh, the English Standard Version says, uh, clothe yourself with compassionate hearts. What, what Paul is talking about here is a a gut-wrenching compassion, seeing other people for who they truly are, loved and valued by God. 
throughout the Gospels, the record of Jesus' life, many, many times, over and over again, it will, you'll see the phrase, and Jesus being moved with compassion, and then it'll say something like, moved with compassion, he healed them. Moved with compassion, he fed them. Moved with compassion, he spoke to them. Because Jesus saw people for who they really were, loved and valued by God. And if we want to do what leads to peace this Christmas, it's going, to be, it's going to mean viewing other people, our family members, our friends, our spouses, with compassion, no matter what, deeply loved and valued by God. He says, uh, clothe yourself with kindness. Kindness is a, a true desire for another person's good. There's no jealousy involved. It, it's loving each other and caring and being able to rejoice with those that are rejoicing instead of being jealous, right? He says, clothe yourself with kindness. This is what we put on. Kindness will lead to peace, not problems. He says, clothe yourself with humility. It's what Meg was talking about in that powerful uh, passage from the book of Philippians that, about Jesus, and he says, and have the same attitude as Jesus, being humble. See ourselves for who we truly are, because when I... When I realize who I truly am, like, I'm imperfect, I've blown it, I've messed things up. When we live in a posture of humility, it will help us to treat others in the same way. Realizing that even when they've blown it, even when they've messed up. He says, clothe yourself with gentleness, or, or another word might be meekness. A readiness to set aside our personal opinions or desires. Ooh, man, this is going to be a hard one this Christmas. There's a lot of personal opinions and desires out there right now, right? I mean, we, we are living in such a divided, messy, mean-spirited time. And it will be so tempting to take that right into Christmas. But what if we, I mean, I'm not saying don't believe what you believe and have strong convictions. I'm saying, what, what if we held those things, though, with, with kindness and gentleness? The book of Proverbs says, a, a soft answer turns away wrath, but a harsh word stirs it up. Again, it, it's up to us. What do you want Christmas to be like? Is it going to just be blow-ups and bombs? <laughs> Or is it going to be peace? And that'll begin as we live and clothe ourselves with gentleness. And then patience. I love how Herbert Carson defines it. He says, a resolute refusal to retaliate. Man, what if this Christmas, that was our resolution? What, what, if, we, what if with everything within us and the power of God helping us, we refuse to retaliate, even when somebody else isn't being kind at the, at the holiday table, even when someone else does or says something that deserves to be called out. What if we had a resolute refusal to retaliate? I'm telling you, that would lead to peace. And then he says in, in our passage, make allowance for each other's faults, uh, He's talking about tolerance. He's saying, bear with each other in the midst of our faults and failures. 
literally put up with each other because God puts up with us. And then forgiveness. Probably, probably every human being's greatest need and yet the most difficult thing to extend and offer to others. And some of us are going to see people this Christmas that we have not forgiven. And Paul says, that's not right. We, we like to hold on to grudges and hurts. And I know forgiveness is no easy thing. But it has to start somewhere. And Paul says when we've been forgiven, he says, forgive as God in Christ has forgiven you. When we realize how much we've been forgiven by God, it frees us to then offer forgiveness towards other people. Now, we, we can hold on to the grudges, we can hold on to the anger, we can hold on to the bitterness, and guess what? It just will incite the problems, and that will become our focus this Christmas. Or, or we can extend forgiveness and do what leads to peace. And I love how the Apostle Paul pulls it all together then in the following verses in Colossians. He says, and above all, above all these other things, above being compassionate, above being kind, above um, being meek and humble, above all these things, he says, clothe yourselves with love. We're right back to love because the things that cause problems are a lack of love in our hearts for others and their hearts for others as well. And so he says, clothe yourself with love, which binds it all together in perfect harmony. It's like if without God's love in our lives, and then that love being extended to others, we will never be able to have patience or kindness with each other. Maybe for a little while, but not over the long haul. It takes God's love inside of us and then moving through us. He says it's this love which binds it all together in perfect harmony. And then he says in verse 15, and let the peace that comes from Christ rule in your hearts. Problems or peace. And the, the incredible thing is this is a peace that you, you and I don't have to like work up or manufacture. It's not even in us or of us. Paul says it's the peace that comes from Christ. When we can't be at peace with each other, that's all right. If you don't have it in you, that's all right. It's a peace that comes from Jesus. So you just, we just got to get with Jesus. And then he will give us the peace that we need, peace with him, so that then we can be at peace with others. And he says, and let that peace rule your hearts. It's, it's the word there, rule, it's like, um, it's like on the basketball court and there's a there's a dispute or there's something that happens and one coach sees it one way and one coach sees it another way and one player says it happened like this and another player says, no, this is how it happened. And who has the final say? The referee. They rule. Right or wrong, their call is reality. And what Paul is saying to the Colossian believers is let peace be the referee. Let peace rule. Let peace call the shots this Christmas time. He says, for as members of one body, 
you are called to live in peace. He says, this is what we're called to. It's what we're called to. I love this quote. Somebody shared it in a staff meeting this past week, and we're not even sure where the quote originated from, but this is what it said. Peace is not the absence of conflict. It is the presence of God in the midst of chaos. Did you catch that? (laughs) Peace is not the absence of conflict. You guys, we're going to go into Christmas, and there's going to be conflict. There's all this stuff. (laughs) We can't completely avoid it. But this definition says peace is not the absence of that stuff. Rather, it's the presence of God in the midst of of that stuff. And here's the thing. You and I have the opportunity to carry that peace into the midst of the chaos of Christmas this year. We can rise above because Jesus rises above. We can lead others towards peace. Paul says, clothe yourself Here's what to wear to Christmas. Compassion, kindness, forgiveness, and peace. Would you pray with me? Lord, thank you that you love us. Thank you for the practicality of your word written so long ago to a group of people in another land in a completely other time. And yet, man, if we would live this way, if we, would, if we would recognize we are objects of your divine love, no matter what, how that could change how we love others. God, I pray that we would reclaim Christmas this year. There will be problems, but help us to discover your peace and help us to live your peace in the midst of those problems. In Jesus' name. We ask for your help. Amen. Hey, in just a moment, our greeting teams will come by. They'll dismiss you row by row. Thanks again for being here this weekend. If you didn't get a finan- uh, financial 2020 annual report, stop out at the Welcome Center, and we'd be glad to give you one. Thanks, so God- thanks, thanks guys. <laughs>